I'm joined today by a very special guest. She's currently the Senior Vice President of Sales and EMEA at Oracle, and I want to extend a special welcome to Giovanna Sangiorgi. Thank you so much, Paul. It is a pleasure to be here. And I'm just afraid about the nice word you use because you create a big expectation and then you make my job now more complex. But thank you so much for the introduction. <laughs> You're very welcome, but I couldn't say it any other way. So uh, uh, you, you, you have led an extraordinary career. So I'd love to talk to you about that in a moment. But before we get into that, maybe you could share with me, Giovanna, a little bit about where you grew up, what that was like, what sort of a childhood you had? Uh, I, I was born and I grew up in a very small town in Emilia-Romagna in Italy, which is an area which is not north, but is not even south. So it is the south of the north, if you want. And it is a wonderful land, close to the beach, close to the mountain, a small town from the mid, partially from the Middle Age. So obviously a very nice place where to grow up and uh, but then it became quickly a little bit uh, not too small uh, but uh, uh, not enough to feed my curiosity. First uh, there was no university there so we had to go somewhere else, uh, not necessarily very far but uh, somewhere else and, uh, and so that's what I did. For, I moved to Modena for the university, 100 kilometers far, so not that much. And then from there, I started to predominantly uh, travel for business in Italy. And then uh, a little bit after, uh, I started uh, to be more a citizen of uh, at least of Europe. And, uh, and so that's more or less my journey. Now, after 35, no, if I include the university a little bit more, after 40 years of not being any longer in France, I just refurbished the place there and I enjoy tremendously to go back and live a very simple and easy life, which is the beauty of the small places in Italy. For sure, it's a, and it's a beautiful country. Is that the, where the area grew up? Is that the area that had those earthquakes a few years ago. It was in that sort of south of the north as you describe it. It is just, uh, this place is just in the north uh, of the area that was hit uh, dramatically by the earthquake, which is Umbria. And it is, uh, the two areas uh, are, uh, are closed, are one close to the other. And it is, uh, and so even our area was uh, hit by the earthquake, much less than the other. So we can't complain at all. But yes, that's exactly the area. And as I understand it, your early life, you, did, you didn't start out in sales. You were a programmer and you spent time in, in sales support, in, in technical yeah. sales. Yeah, uh, I have done uh, a lot of different, uh, yeah, a lot of different uh, things uh, in uh, in my career. I definitely started uh, as a programmer uh, or uh, analyst of processes and procedure and how to make this uh, and how to automate uh, this uh, using uh, information technology, and uh, and that was uh, a. 
uh, one of the experiences that if you want to shape me, because uh, my life was all the time with the customer, experiencing uh, every challenge uh, and uh, success uh, or issue with the customer. And I believe it is one of the places where I really shaped uh, my uh, way of uh, looking uh, and working uh, with uh, with my customers. But then, yes, I have also done a lot before landing uh, into sales. Uh, I have done a lot of different things. Uh, then I started to work in sales. Uh, you know, it, I was already in Oracle when I started uh, to be fully, to have a sales responsibility, to have a target, to achieve and to be compensated uh, on, uh, on sales credit with commissions uh, on sales credit. But then uh, um, while uh, I was uh, having, uh, I would say, a successful uh, sales experience and I was having, I was already manager uh, and having, I got uh, a request uh, to try to start uh, to do something uh, to put my experience, uh, the technical background, uh, the customer focus uh, and uh, the sales understanding into different uh, jobs in business operation first uh, and then even in finance. Uh, when I was asked uh, to build up uh, the, um, what uh, we would call uh, today a global contract organization. Uh, so an organization within finance uh, able to help the sales rep negotiating uh, and closing uh, good contracts. And so my colleagues were always uh, telling me, Giovanna, what are you doing? You are a successful salesperson and now you are moving into finance. You are putting your black sleeves on and you will never get them, get rid of them any longer in your life. It doesn't make sense what you are doing. In fact, I think that it was a great decision. Obviously, nobody knows what would have happened if I would have stayed in sales and continued to develop my career there. But uh, uh, now or when I, I can say that the finance experience is what gave me the opportunity to really understand the company and the business almost 360 degrees, but having a clear understanding of the challenges and the importance of the back office activity, all that things that the salespeople ate, because it is not the sales, but it is it's something that we usually, we as a salespeople see as a complication of our job. I understood this, and this is what then unlocked me all the opportunity I had before, and probably it is what made me much more effective as a sales leader. So I don't was regret there anything that. in your early life? Good. Was there anything in your early life, Giovanna, that indicated a career in sales for you? I, 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 I am, I'm not able to answer this question uh, and I don't know really uh, because uh, I stopped pretty early to make plans uh, in my, because wh whenever I was making plans, uh, I was in some way forced by the events uh, to change them the day after I made the plan. So I stopped making the plan and instead I did work uh, on securing it to have... Uh, to feed my curiosity, to nurture my curiosity and secure to have big hair, big eyes, look at the opportunity, uh, be present, uh, try to 
discover new things and sometimes take, take risk and jump into opportunity. And so I ended up being in sales because clearly I loved it. When I was experiencing, I loved it. And, but it was not a decision that I have ever taken in my life to become a senior vice president in sales. It did happen. For sure. Yeah. Um, so it, it, would you say then your kind of a life philosophy is just embrace curiosity and see what life brings and go for it? Yeah, more than a philo philo philosophy, it is uh, my career. I'm curious uh, as a person. And uh, right or wrong, uh, I believe that curiosity, it is an important uh, trait, attitude, uh, characteristic uh, of salespeople, probably also of leader. Being curious, uh, it what allows us uh, to not uh, sit down uh, on uh, where we are. Uh, it is what allows us to listen to the people uh, because uh, I'm uh, profoundly convinced that uh, the big ideas are not coming uh, from the leaders uh, of the organization, but most of the time, the big ideas, uh, or all the time, are coming from the people that are making the experience. And then our role as a leader uh, is to be able to identify the good ideas and create the environment to make the ideas becoming uh, something uh, uh, successful. So curiosity is important. If you are not curious, uh, you don't listen too much. That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. Tell me then, what, what motivates you most? It is all about people. It is uh, all about people. And when I say people, uh, I mean uh, the, the, the team, I mean uh, the customer, uh, I mean uh, partners uh, or everyone that is uh, in the ecosystem. I love uh, um, being surrounded or see people uh, able or achieving their goals and have a part in their process. So that's what uh, really motivates uh, me. It's not a matter of power. It is not a matter of, obviously money are important uh, and are somewhere in my, in my motivation, but it's not the first, uh, it's never the first thing. The first thing is always, is always uh, to do with people. I am happy to see um, people in the team finding their meaning uh, in what uh, they do and achieve their goal, uh, their target as well as their personal goal. Uh, I'm happy to see the customer uh, achieving their mission, accomplishing their mission, uh, achieving their goal. And I like uh, partners and people working uh, around me, uh, see them achieving their goal. So that's what uh, motivates me. It is what gives me energy. It is, uh, it is what animates me. So then when you think about the people in your life, past and present, who would you say inspires you the most? Uh, many many, many, many people uh, inspired uh, me uh, the most, which is not necessarily the people that did help me the most. But in the, I, I, I find inspiration uh, in many different uh, people. 
I would say that probably the most inspiring one are the people in the, the people I've been I've been working with people in my team um, people at the beginning of their career sometimes are uh, super uh, uh, inspirational because they have the fresh mind uh, and the new way of looking uh, at the work environment, at the relationship with the employer, at the way of doing things uh, and achieving goals. People uh, that have challenges, uh, people that have that have, that have different uh, challenges from disabilities uh, to what they experience uh, at work uh, is an inspiration because it is a way of learning uh, or find the way to, to develop, uh, to use uh, their experience uh, to develop ourselves, something that we have the pleasure to not, uh, to not experience uh, otherwise. So there are, uh, I don't know, I think that there are hundreds uh, or if not thousands of people that have inspired me uh, along my career. And there is not anyone that I be, am able to identify as the person who inspired me the most. But the one that are coming uh, more easily to my mind are the people that have been working uh, with me in my organization. So the people, the people that I had in my teams uh, over my career. Okay. When you think about the changes you've seen in the workplace over the past number of years, decades, what are the changes that have given you greatest comfort, enjoyment, joy? I, I think that one of... Uh, so talking about... Uh, the work environment uh, and uh, the way of working. Uh, one of the things that is um, that I appreciate the most uh, is uh, the change uh, in the relationship uh, between uh, employer and employee or manager and employee. When I started my career, and it goes back a couple of decades, a little bit more than a couple of decades, um, it was, uh, we, we, um, we were expected to be grateful and to execute, full stop. And, and that's uh, the way we were doing. And uh, there was no, not necessarily engagement, not necessarily, nobody was interested if I was finding my meaning, if I was finding my values, uh, in what I was doing on the environment uh, that I was uh, experiencing. Now this is no longer possible because uh, uh, the younger, uh, pe the people that are younger than me, which are many, um, nobody will accept uh, to work uh, if uh, they don't find the meaning uh, in what they do and uh, if there is their values are not reflected in the organization, at least some of them are not reflected in the organization they work for, and if they are not listened, because the people know themselves much, much better, and so they know that there is something that can be sometimes uh, stupid uh, or sometimes extremely valuable that they can bring uh, into what they are doing uh, for the benefit of the business of themselves uh, and the community. 
And so I believe that this is one of the most, uh, the, 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 the achievement uh, that uh, I like the most. And it is uh, not because, uh, I was saying, and it is because the younger generation are much, much better than ourselves. Obviously, it is also uh, easier for them to be connected uh, and to uh, learn from each other. Uh, that obviously, 35 years ago was more, or 40 years ago was much more complex, but also because uh, the younger generation are much better than what we were, I was. I agree. I think, the, and again, I think the connections that they have now, uh, driven by technology, helps enormously as well. Um, exactly. Talk to me then about what's, so that's looking back. As you look forward, what changes would you, you feel are unfinished that you'd like to see advanced? That, that's a, that, that, then you are landing on a difficult territory so because uh, you are uh, uh, talking with a woman and uh, that has been get used uh, in the core 35 years of my career to be frequently alone in uh, a male, uh, highly dominated uh, environment and uh, had a lot of uh, challenges or, or obstacles to overcome in order to continue to develop myself and, uh, and, and continue to develop my career. And um, I always say that, say that it is, uh, I had to put in practice uh, something that I call uh, uh, resilience, uh, which is uh, the combination of resilience and perseverance uh, that uh, if it is not uh, big and always uh, your true north or uh, uh, moving energy, it is easy for ourselves uh, to give up. Yeah, is that the so case? This is oh, big time, definitely. Yes, it is. Things have changed uh, a lot. There are uh, an incredible number of uh, so an incredible, an incredible number of milestones uh, and um, progresses uh, that have been made, but uh, but there is still uh, a lot to be done. Um, I had the pleasure to work uh, with the, uh, in an advisory board uh, uh, for the G20 that took place in Italy during the last uh, summer. And this uh, year, G20, it is the first time where there was a conference around the women empowerment. So it is the first time that women empowerment became part of the G20 agenda. And I had the opportunity to work uh, with the business advisory um, board with the representation from all the biggest multinational, not only in the technology sphere, but uh, pharmaceutical and very big multinational. Mm. And it is absolutely common uh, to, every, to every work environment uh, that uh, it is still the case uh, that uh, the female uh, population is... Uh, as a much more uh, difficult uh, career development uh, path. It is more complex uh, to really um, give uh, the opportunity, have the opportunity to be satisfied uh, from your career and nurture your curiosity and, 
and your plan uh, in your career. And uh, this is due to many, many different uh, things uh, that are not easy. The pandemic made it more complex. I believe that we went back uh, probably a couple of decades. And uh, so, yeah, it is a complex, yeah. uh, it is a complex uh, topic, a lot to do with uh, culture, but also with the regulation, uh, because uh, there is a lot that government can do and have not done uh, yet uh, everywhere, have done in some, in some countries, but not everywhere. It is a complex, a complex matter, but it is still, how many, yeah. how many, I have a question there, how many female sales leaders uh, have you in your uh, series of po podcasts? Are you looking for numbers or percentage? I, I don't know. I, I don't know what that... Percentage wise. Take I, the last I, I, 10. I how many? Take the last 10 you have done. How many? Three or four. Maybe. Yeah, I, I, I do actually go out of my way to, to, to try and achieve. And you focus. And you focus on it. I do, I do, I, and I, I'll be straight, is that I remember being called out on it by somebody because I'd had a series of podcasts and somebody said there wasn't a lot of female representation, so I put a call out on LinkedIn, and yeah. since then I've been very, very keen, and one of the reasons why I invited you was we, we are, we, we actually, we work, I say we work hard, we make an effort to make sure that there's not just a gender balance, but I like to get other forms of diversity in terms of personality types, thoughts, cultures, uh, races, etc. Um, but I'm, yeah, I, I can't I can't tell you it's fifty fifty um, no, because no. I don't keep a ledger. Yeah. But if you look back, and I, and I have had people say when we we published at the start of the year a list of our top podcasts from last year and somebody did say you know praises on the fact that there was yeah, but uh, uh, and it is not and it is not as I said, I'm pretty sure that you are focusing on it, and it is not. And if you hadn't, it is not because you were excluding, but it, because it is difficult to find people that had the opportunity, female that had the opportunity to break the glass ceiling or to be in leadership position. It is changing. Yeah. It is. It it is changing, and I think. You, you, you've hit on an important point is that it's hard to get 50-50 on the podcast, for example, when there isn't 50-50 in the workplace. If it's 30-70, then, yeah. And also will say that uh, I think a lot of the, and I'm only thinking about this as we speak, actually, and it's, it's an interesting point. I think that a lot of the effort that we've made here has come from the fact that there's such an awareness now and from awareness comes change yeah. but if there wasn't the awareness i wouldn't have thought about it i would just gone with what's familiar with just a, a list of people i've worked with and i wouldn't have given it too much thought yeah. um for for sure but in, and, the, and world, in the world there true. are many more people uh, many more female uh, uh, population than what we find in the work so in life, 
the female representation is much higher than what we find in the work. Almost all the type of work except probably in a couple of areas. And that's not because the female population are not, is not willing to, uh, to work. It is just because it is, it is much easier to give up at a certain point that to have... And, but instead, that, that instead to continue, and to continue requires a lot of resilience and perseverance, and uh, and that's it. And it is where we need to work. There is still a lot that needs to be done. Where do you see? Just another couple of minutes on this topic. Where do you see? Because I'm interested. You felt you said you were represented on this the, the G20 summit. Yeah. In terms of just the, the high level of obstacles that you see remaining, and I know it's complex, and I'm, and I'm asking yeah. for where do you see some of the easy, easier things that are in front of us that could be done? But the easier thing is uh, uh, to work on our bias, because uh, there are uh, a lot of bias that uh, automatically make us uh, eliminating uh, female from uh, uh, a number of opportunities. Whenever it is a matter to appoint some new leaders because someone is leaving, if we don't force ourselves to look at the female potential pipeline in the same way we look at the male pipeline, chances are that we go first on the male list and we are more suspicious when in the list there are women, especially when the position are at a certain level of seniority. Still, there are a lot of biases uh, related uh, to the maternity leave, to the caregiver giving a responsibility that is still seen as a more female than equally distributed. Mm. And this is something that still happens. Nobody likes to hear this, but it is something that happens because the bias are difficult to be eliminated. And if we don't understand the bias, we automatically run into, just because our culture has forged our mind and our behaviors in a certain way, we don't change it. So we need to understand those bias and we need to be focused in not making them forging our behavior. Do you think then that there is an, an ongoing renegotiation required between male and female roles in, not, I'm not talking about work, I'm talking about culturally in society because I think you're right. I also look at the other side and I see, for example, we see it in Ukraine, all men not allowed to leave the country. I saw then uh, talking to a colleague that there's three countries in Europe that require men to go into the army for a period of time and, and therefore, and there's other countries that have it on their, on their constitution that in the event of war, all men between 18 and 60 can be called up. Do you think there there's also a cultural bias and that we need to stand back from everything in the past and renegotiate 
all of those, not just specific ones uh, that are necessary in the workplace, because I do think our, our, our norm, our outside of work life influences our own biases uh, when we come into the workplace. Yeah, it, 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 is, it is absolutely correct. Then uh, renegotiating, uh, I don't know exactly what you mean when you say renegotiating, but uh, it requires a different understanding uh, and different behaviors uh, in everything that we do. We need to understand uh, that uh, there is an equal participation to the life experience. And obviously there are things that the female population is more prone and inclined to do and things that the male population is more prone and inclined to do. And we need to know well ourselves and find the way to use at best strengths and weaknesses or different characteristics. And this is true in the life, is true at work. And but especially when it comes to negotiation, the female population is usually more inclined to win negotiation because the power game it is difficult that get we are just focusing on achieving. It is more easier that we just focus on achieving the goal and the rest, all the rest that comes along the way is fog. Is not something that really defines ourselves. It is something that is on the way, but we see the, the, the goal to achieve and we do whatever it takes to get there or we are able to do to get there. For a, usually in a negotiation that is led by men, there is always a power game that is important because, and again, this is a little bit of a bias that shaped the culture. So, but, and so you, I see female population usually faster or more effective in winning negotiation. But why in sales we don't have so many female, especially in the IT, uh, we don't have so many female. While they have the characteristic to do a good job, they are focused, uh, they are good at negotiating, uh, straightforward in achieving the goal, Don't cannot lose time because there are so many other things uh, to be done. So we need to ask ourselves why we don't, leverage, we don't leverage them, which is an incredible opportunity for making the business even more successful. If you were then Minister for Education, and you can make any subject mandatory in, in, in school. Communication and leadership. Point? Communication and leadership. That's one of the topics that we were discussing uh, at the Business Advisory Board that I was uh, talking earlier. And obviously everyone was talking about the STEM education, which is fine. In if we just look at the IT, okay, not so many, which is probably not so true any longer in Italy or in Europe, in Central Europe, in many other places still is. But even before the specific knowledge around the different sector, it is leadership and the communication. Communication is of paramount importance for any kind of career you want. And the leadership, especially for uh, the female population, because we are still afraid of power and 
leadership, to develop ourselves and say, I'm a leader of something. Because uh, it is something that is, uh, every time uh, I say in an environment that is not the specific environment of my job uh, or, or the industry, so where I'm not known, and the people say, okay, Giovanna, and what do you do? And they say, I'm senior vice president, so, and they have a responsibility in Europe, Middle East, this business here. Oh, they don't say the same thing if there is a, a male colleague that says, I'm a senior VP and a bigger or the same experience. Because so you are a leader, so you exercise your power. Power is not a matter of power. It's not a matter of achieving something. It's a matter of creating value. Is, uh, and so I, this is to say that we need to create the culture, uh, help the people understanding what means becoming a leader, help the people knowing themselves well. This is uh, a knowledge uh, where probably in some countries uh, there, uh, there is a commitment to develop this kind of knowledge. In most of the European countries and in many other countries outside of Europe, there is zero investment done in this, which is for me something that can change or at least can boost, can accelerate the process of making everyone in some way, if you want to do the renegotiation of balance and roles you were referring before. Yeah, I can see you're very passionate about the subject. Yes, I am. <laughs> I have a daughter. I have a single child and is a daughter. She's not really a child. She's almost, a, she's a woman. She's an adult now in the workforce. And, uh, and I know what... Uh, I know the bruise that I have on my skin. I know them well. And how, and how is her experience different from yours? Uh, in the workplace. Yeah, she just started uh, uh, one year ago. She just and uh, and I think uh, uh, I think that their life, their, their experience is different. So what I see is, uh, for example. Uh, um, how they uh, in the couple how they uh, there is a different uh, participation and the different understanding uh, of the role and this helps still there are uh, there is uh, um, so it, it is a complex but uh, at the end uh, in, the, in defining the balance uh, in the couple, uh, of, because it is uh, sometimes difficult that everyone can pursue career goals uh, in the same way at the same time, the, the couple is required to make uh, compromises. And so sometimes at my age, it was always, okay, your husband uh, is, needs to do the career and then you can make a career if you are good and if you have the opportunity. He must do it. You may have the opportunity. Now it is different. They understand that it is a right for everyone, a right and a duty for everyone to develop their career. And so they participate. They are ready to make a compromise one for each other from time to time. So there is a more agile and different uh, and different balance but uh, 
and this is uh, an incredible uh, an incredible achievement but then there is uh, the topic uh, of the earning because uh, a young family needs uh, to be able uh, uh, to earn a certain amount of money if they wanted to buy their house uh, or they wanted to have the quality life uh, they wanted to have and it is a matter of fact that we are still earning much less at the, even at the same level of job we are earning less than uh, the men and so if like in the pandemic many family had uh, uh, the need to take the decision one of the two needed to leave the job because there is a caregiving activity to be done in the family or the school in distance learning that the children in distance learning or the other people then it is easier to say okay who is earning the most to continue to work and who is earning the less will stop working and this is something that creates necessarily a an obstacle in the career development for women. Mm. So there are yeah. so many things. I, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm almost curious about that one uh, and because I, I guess I have two questions around it. One is, I, I know, now this is a UK statistic, I don't know what it's like in the rest of Europe, yeah. that between 18 and 30 that women out earn men by a thousand pounds a year it's not it's marginal right it's tiny okay but after 30 it changes and i'm wondering what is it that happens after 30 so clearly there isn't an issue up to 30. after that is it is it a is it a is it a child you know is it a maternity issue that causes that imbalance because the second part of it is coming from my own experience where again when i was younger my wife earned more than i did until our first child came along and then she decided she wanted to stay at home, which was interesting because when you put it into the, the, the pay gap or the earnings gap question is that we were both earning or slightly more than me. And then when she, she wanted to stay at home for our first child, she didn't know how long she wanted to, but she just mm -hmm. wanted to initially. But I felt pressure then on me to go earn more and negotiate my salary up and go back to college and which which actually expanded that gap now just in our household right just in our household yeah. the the earnings gap clearly changed that the dynamic and i'm wondering if you put that into society at large how much that impacts the overall earnings gap that exists and can that can that be solved and, and if so how and you are talking about the country to put in place uh, a specific law to make transparent the uh, gender uh, pay gap and force the company then to, um, to bridge the gap, to close the gap. So you are, talk, you are referring of an experience in a country where uh, that is advanced compared to most of the other countries. Okay, so is your point is that the, the, that in in certain Western countries or weird countries that it's less of an issue that the real issue is in 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 less advanced countries from a society from a oh, no, it is a still still a big issue in Italy too. I think it is an issue in most of the European uh, countries. Probably UK is a little bit more. UK and the Nordic countries are much. The Nordic countries are way above. The other but uh, UK is also more advanced uh, 
Um, but uh, there, it is still a problem uh, in many countries because uh, still uh, there are uh, pay gaps uh, everywhere in every type of job, early in the career, later in the career. It is, it but, is uh, still an issue. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's, I want to talk to you about your, you, you mentioned balance, and that was a topic I wanted to talk to you about, yeah. was in your own life, how do you, because you're really senior and you, you're, you're incredibly busy, how do you maintain balance in your own life? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know how I did maintain uh, uh, balance. Uh, I didn't. I, I think that what did allow, what allow me uh, to be able to do it, are uh, a couple of uh, good things. Uh, a husband, uh, when I was, when my our daughter was uh, uh, a kid, uh, that was working five hundred meters from where we live, and so for everything uh, he was able uh, to jump in uh, and uh, to address, uh, even if he wasn't uh, taking uh, specific responsibility, but uh, was making me comfortable to be in Dublin uh, every other week because I knew that uh, there was uh, someone, an incredibly good nanny, which is uh, probably the most important choice uh, if we have the opportunity to have someone looking our, uh, at our kid and not putting boundaries. I didn't put boundaries uh, in uh, my work at home and I didn't put boundaries in my home at work. And so if uh, uh, there was the need to, and this was probably a little bit crazy, but I remember for a certain period of time I was going to Milan, to working in Milan two days a week. So I was waking up at 4.30 in the morning, taking a flight at 6.30, so to be able to be at 8.30 in, uh, in the office uh, at work. And so I, that morning I didn't see my daughter waking up and going to school, and I was coming back the night uh, uh, after. So I was staying overnight in Milano, and then the other night came. And I remember... I was sometimes with my customers on the plane or with my boss. And as soon as we were getting out of the bus, oh, so Giovanna, let's organize the day. No, stop everything. Hi, darling. Good morning. How are you? Did you have breakfast? Did you? And I never, uh, I never thought it was a shame to, and I was also saying, hey, I want, no, 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 as much, I love you so much, kiss me, all that kind of things that sometimes we, we don't want to show because we believe that it is a vulnerability or I always did it. And, uh, and then I was calling immediately after the nanny and saying, okay, did my husband brought Cecilia in time at school? Is all fine? Has she done everything? So you need to, for today, for lunch uh, is ready or you find these things there. I was super organized, but I was bringing my own life 
into my work and obviously many times we were in vacation we were and I was spending the first two hours with my lap my daughter always say there is no holiday that we have not done with mom with the uh, back uh, the, the, the sweat uh, um, bringing their backpack with the laptop because wherever and she remember being in the middle of the desert trying to connect to solve some issues so I believe that this is what uh, so I don't know if it is balance or unbalance. Uh, I, I don't know, but that's the way I did it. Would you say that you have a natural instinct for organizing things, both work and at home, that you're the, you're the organizer? Yes. Yes. And this is, I'm structured. Uh, and I'm structured uh, in the work and uh, I'm structured uh, in the organization of my life. I have lists of everywhere, everywhere for everything and, uh, and I have things uh, that I currently do to secure. I don't forget, I maintain the priority and uh, obviously things uh, that I have developed uh, with the experience, uh, not uh, naturally coming out in the way I do now. At the beginning, but yeah, that's me. I'm, I'm curious because I, I, I would not be a natural, structured, organized person. And I think the times I have to do that, it requires great energy. And I'm wondering, is that where you get an energy from or does it also? No, I don't get my energy. Comes, my energy comes from people. It is something most of the time it is something that I hate to do to say, OK, what needs to be done first after. But I do it because I know that at the end it brings me something that is important, like having more time to stay with my family, my daughter, my friends uh, or uh, being able to achieve uh, things uh, earlier uh, or uh, help uh, someone in my organization achieving or my customers uh, achieving what they needed to achieve earlier and better. If you were, if you were reliving your career against Giovanna again, um, is there anything you'd do differently? Uh, not my career. But uh, I will uh, start uh, earlier uh, to put the focus in knowing myself. The sooner we know ourselves uh, and we warm up uh, and we exercise uh, on playing uh, with our strengths and weaknesses uh, or vulnerabilities, uh, the better it is. Not just uh, to achieve uh, top uh, level uh, in career but just to achieve uh, what we want for ourselves so what make uh, ourselves uh, what gives us meaning uh, and make ourselves happy of uh, of what we do too often uh, i see people and it is a mistake that i've always done i see people especially at the beginning of their career to identify people uh, and try to mimic that seems people that seems uh, successful in our mind and try to mimic what they do without the thinking uh, am i the person able to do this in this way or do i have my own way to do this that can be get the best out of me. It is like uh, 
Making a signature with the non-dominant hand, trying to mimic what the dominant hand must to do on a, every second. The result is completely different. In one case, we use the skills. In the other, we try to mimic the skills. And mimicking other... So that's what I would start, what I will start to do. For me, it was a, a that's is, this is something I never said to anyone, but I realized that this, when I was already um, having a, a certain level of responsibility and I was asked to make a speech about leadership in a university in UK. And so while I was preparing myself, uh, I realized that the importance, and it was a haha moment, I realized the importance uh, of knowing ourselves, which is something that obviously over time I did learn myself, who, who I am uh, as a uh, professional or as a leader. But it is not something that I did focus on. If I would have focused on this aspect much earlier in my career, I would have known who I am much earlier and probably I would have achieved uh, uh, better things. I don't know. But definitely I would have had an easier life. Okay. What, what did you learn about yourself later in life that you feel would have been really good to have known earlier in life that would have helped you out more? How important uh, it is for me uh, that the people around me achieve their goal. It is not about me achieving my goal, but it is about uh, uh, see the, the, the people around me, which at the end means my success also. But the driver is uh, to see them and not to see, uh, to see me. And uh, this is, uh, was seen uh, as a vulnerability, uh, was uh, uh, seen as uh, an emotional thing. Uh, I, I don't know how many times uh, I heard people telling me, Giovanna, you are not the mother of your customer. You are the mother of Cecilia, but not the mother of your customer which is something that goes back to some of the bias, but is also something that... Uh, and this is something that influenced some of my behavior because I said, okay, so I'm not able to di distinguish between my personal life, my professional, so, and it is an emotional thing, so you needed to put the emotion aside, which is... <laughs> To, to me are wrong things because people are made by emotion. Emotions impact how the people behave. So it is important because helping the customers is not winning over customer, but make the customer winning. It is more important than winning over the customer because winning over the customer is a short term win. The other one is a long term win that feed other wins. Hold that there. That I, I think that is just as you said it. It's that's a light bulb moment. I'd like to just just dwell on for people listening into this because I think what you said is is really really profound and I've not heard it expressed the way you've done that, which is that winning over the customer is a short term, making the customer win 
is the real goal, and that and that's a long-term strategy. And I, I yeah, I, I think that could be the title for our podcast because I think that's uh, is is I think that that that, that encapsulates everything that's important about sales not just what to win but also where not to focus or not yeah. not focus but focus less interesting because too many yeah. people try to make their customer their best friend and i'm curious also is that what the your friend your colleague meant when they said you're not the customer's mother that you were caring too much about the relationship with the customer or, or was it not about else? the relationship i, I think that uh in 40 years of career, there is uh, no true friendship that I have developed with customer, but a lot of trusting relationship. So I have customer that uh, five years after having never heard a, a word from me, not even Christmas card uh, uh, for the holiday season, they, they have an issue and they call me. And they are, and they don't uh, feel embarrassed to call me, but they say, Giovanna, I know that you can give me some ideas. Can we talk about this? Or they drop me an SMS, which is much more rewarding for, for me than, have, than going outside to have dinner uh, together uh, or having a drink together, which is... Uh, Sometimes people are nurturing the relationship, uh, which is uh, like what I call when I say is the network of the coffee machine. The network, uh, even we say we know that for people uh, to grow in the company, it, the network uh, is important. And people say, oh, yes, so I go in the car in front of the car and we take a coffee together, which is totally useless. It is nothing. The, the real network is when you make the people knowing yourself for the value that you can bring to them. And so they will engage you when there is the opportunity or the need to deliver that kind of value. And that's what is important also with the customer. It's not that they invite me to having a drink for Christmas. I'm not care. I prefer to stay with my true friends. And, but I feel uh, rewarded and uh, I'm grateful to them when they call me. That yesterday, I got uh, an SMS from a customer in South Africa. So, Giovanna, two months, I'm not able to solve this issue. I'm pretty sure that. And we solved it in half an hour. So, the fact that this guy with whom I started having an horrible relationship because I started to meet this guy because he was having issues and so he was coming shouting and complaining and after years still him remembering and giving me a call to ask for help I'm sure that if I need something I can go to this customer and he will be gentle with me and he will trust that I'm not. And this is what in sales at the end creates our longer term success or make our life easier or more successful. And it is about customer focus. Yeah. It, 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 I, I think a lot of people misinterpret that. They, they, they see it as that they because they need to be liked, they, they want to make the customer their best friend. And what you're saying is, okay, it's, it's fine to be pleasant and have a good relationship, 
but really unless they see you as somebody who's adding value to their life then it'll only ever be superficial exactly what matters uh, is what is uh, the substance of the relationship uh, the ingredient of the relationship tell me when your time your professional career is done what would what would you like to do with your time I have no idea. So I, I tell you what I enjoy, what I enjoy to do, uh, which is uh, I have obviously a passion for food. Uh, I, I say obviously because everyone believes that in Italy we are spending a lot of time, with it, which is true. My mother still wake up in the morning by asking myself, what do you want to eat for lunch? And while we are eating at lunch, I so say, what do you want to eat for dinner? So... Uh, food, but I like uh, food, I like traveling, I like people, so I like traveling uh, and uh, discover a new culture and the new people. I like art, not necessarily contemporary, but modern art. And, uh, and obviously, I hope at a certain point in my life to be grandmother and uh, to experience uh, the difference uh, of the relationship uh, between uh, mother and the daughter and mother and grandchild. I believe, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I believe that uh, this will so be the things that, that will, uh, yeah. my time will be spent around those things. And, uh, and uh, obviously, but uh, yeah, it is something. And, uh, Said I love people, uh, I love helping uh, the younger people developing uh, their skills. So I started uh, a couple of years ago, three years ago, four years ago, I don't remember, to collaborate with the school in India and I help um, an organization that has a, a schools uh, in India and uh, I would love to be able to spend more time with them. And then you get to indulge your passion of people, travel, and food as well. Exactly. And it is an incredible uh, human experience because there is uh, so much uh, to learn uh, from these uh, disadvantaged people. Uh, I discover what dignity means. Uh, uh, I discover where, uh, that there are so many other places that may feed the energy and the commitment uh, of the people uh, that uh, we experiencing a very comfortable life uh, don't uh, think about and uh, so it is uh, it is a truly um, inspiring uh, and the learning experience i'm curious and i'm just conscious of time but i just one question on this giovanna is when you think about what you've seen with the people you've worked with in india and you talk about the dignity and how they conduct their lives what would you say is the major lesson that we should take those of us far more privileged have a much more comfortable life as we might perceive it um or people starting out in life in in a privileged position what what do you think we should learn most from from them probably it is uh so what i have learned from them it is uh, the gratitude so the value of the gratitude. 
And what does it mean being grateful? That gratitude can be in everything. And the more we are able to express the gratitude, the better we experience our life and we understand the nature of what is happening. Another important thing it is about the teamwork how to help each other and support each other, how much important it is, in their case, can mean life or death. And uh, so it's not just uh, achieving something better, means everything moving from nothing to everything. And uh, probably these are uh, are the most... And uh, the light... uh, and the lightness and the easiness of the relationship. If we put ourselves into the game, having a good relationship, it is so easy and so rewarding and so useful that we cannot imagine. We have a lot of bias and barriers we never show want to show because we are afraid to put our vulnerabilities we are afraid to show something that is not polite is not politically correct or it is not something that you expect from a senior leader or a professor of the (sighs) if we decide to be who we are we learn much more we grow faster, we help each other, we take also more from others. So these are the things uh, that makes me happy when I'm there. Okay, final question. When your time on this planet is done and somebody decides to write a book about your life, what would you like the title to be? I don't think that there will be anyone interested in writing a book about my life. But you never know, you never know, you never know. What's the question? Sorry. But the, que- the question is, what would you like the title of the book to be? It is probably, what's your goal? It is something uh, that I, because it is another thing, the people working with me, they say that now that that after two years of working from home, even their kids at home, they are always asking, hey, mom, hey, dad, what's your goal? Because too often uh, we start uh, doing something uh, and there is a lot of entropy that is created uh, if we, before we do anything, say, what's my goal? And we try to have clear, even a very high level, not super well defined, but clear a couple of things or what we wanted to achieve, then things become much easier. Mm. Mm. I love it. Uh, it's been absolutely fascinating talking to you, Giovanna. I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation and thank you so much for being my guest on the podcast today. Thank you for organizing it, Paul.